I want to help people stop these generational patterns, set people up for success, and stop living in fear and scarcity and lack and live with abundance and happiness and people thriving. Like, that's what money is for. It's supposed to provide safety and security for you and also fun. It should be fun. You should be able to have fun instead of feeling scared about it. Welcome to the Raise Your Hand Motherhood Podcast, a place where you just might find or hear a tiny piece of your motherhood reality. I'm your host, Raylan Minka, an educator, writer, and emotionally frazzled toddler mom. If you've ever felt lonely in your motherhood journey or asked yourself, am I the only one experiencing this? Then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each episode focuses on a different but common motherhood struggle, where we discuss the ups, the downs, and the WTFs with moms from all around the world. So whether you're stroller pushing and podcasting yourself around the neighborhood, waiting at the doctor's office for your next fertility treatment, or listening with a well-deserved glass of wine at the end of another full day of motherhood, welcome. I hope you can relate to some of what you hear in today's episode, and get ready to raise your hand if you do. Hey, mamas, and welcome back to season two of the Raise Your Hand Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Raylan Minka, and thanks for joining me, or rather letting me join you wherever you are at the moment. In today's episode, we're talking about the financial struggles of motherhood. Motherhood is beautiful and challenging and expensive. It comes at a high cost. Depending on your situation, it can be physically, mentally, emotionally, and without a doubt, financially demanding. And yes, there are a number of obvious expenses of having and raising children. We're talking food, clothes, diapers, school supplies, sports and extracurriculars, medical costs in some circumstances. Yeah, I I could just keep going, but I think you guys all get the picture. But in addition to the obvious expenses, society tends to overlook so many other factors that can negatively affect our finances after becoming a mom, and in turn can negatively affect our relationships, our self-confidence, our sense of identity and self-worth, our feelings of independence, and so much more. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a working mom, a mom trying to balance solo or co-parenting, a person or family struggling with infertility treatments, or just some other version of Superwoman, I promise that there is something in this episode for you. Today, I'll be sharing my conversation with Eileen Joy. She's a money coach behind the successful online business, Moms Who Money. Eileen truly walks the walk and talks the talk. We're going to chat about how her experience hitting a personal and financial rock bottom as a single mom led to her, quote unquote, getting her shit together and learning everything she possibly could about money. Eileen now coaches overwhelmed moms on how to talk about and manage their money. No shame, no guilt no embarrassment. She's here today to break down the most common financial struggles of motherhood and to share some simple steps we can take and systems we can all implement to lighten our financial load. Because money is a heavy topic and we've all got enough on our plates as it is. All right, mamas, get ready to take some notes today, mental, literal, whatever works for you. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram for more tips, links, and freebies on relatable motherhood topics. You can find me at the Raise Your Hand Motherhood Pod. Money is a huge trigger for me. I'd say it's right up there as one of the most difficult things for me to discuss with my partner. And when you're a parent, money is a constant and ongoing discussion. 
There are new costs almost every single day. (laughs) One day you're buying diapers and formula, and before you know it, the cupboard is empty and you're buying it again. And then all of a sudden, none of your child's clothes fit and you're hunting down affordable options in the next size up. And I'll stop and take a minute here to say that I think hand-me-downs are the way to go as parents. Our son has spent 90% of his first two years in clothes that were handed down to us from friends and family's kids. They just grow so frigging fast. And then they start daycare or school and they come home with lists of supplies. And okay, well, that's how far we've gotten with our toddler, but it's not hard to look into the future and anticipate all of the financial demands that are ahead of us. And we have one child. Families with two, three, four, or more kids, well, let's just say that I wish money really did grow on trees because every parent deserves a money tree in their backyard. I get it now. We would all be out there picking every last dollar off of that tree that we could find or reach. But what if we look beyond the obvious expenses for our kids? Because there are tons of hidden costs of motherhood. For example, having children changes our bodies. And I'm talking like anatomically shifts and changes our bodies. Wardrobes that fit us before motherhood might become totally obsolete after the fact. And money that might have previously been allocated for new clothes for us is suddenly allocated to 100 other things. Or what about the cost of something like therapy? I'm not sure how many of you listening have a therapist or counselor, but navigating all of the changes of motherhood is hard, and it can be so beneficial having somebody to talk about that with, outside of your partner, your friends, and your family. But unless you have an incredible benefits package from your career or maybe from your spouse or partner's work, it's just another expense that most likely doesn't fit into the budget. I used to have a great benefits package before becoming a mom, and I did not take it for granted, believe me. I used up every last bit of that benefits package that I could, especially in the first few months of the pandemic and the last few months of my pregnancy. But since becoming a stay-at-home mom in late 2020 and then moving back overseas in 2021, I'm simultaneously navigating motherhood, being an expat again, and a lack of career and income. It's a lot. It's not comfortable being vulnerable in so many different ways at once. I went from being a confident income earner to being a mom, a trailing spouse, and unable to even open my own bank account in my country of residence because of my visa status and my lack of employer. It's been a definite blow to my ego and my confidence, and I'm positive that some of you listening today will know what I'm talking about. And you know, when we're not feeling like the most confident or worthy versions of ourselves, what do we do? We overcompensate and we try to fill that void with things that make us feel good, or maybe like a previous version of ourselves. And for me, right from the early days of motherhood, that has always meant cafes and a daily tea or treat. Because in addition to parenthood being expensive and exhausting at times, being a stay-at-home mom, at least in my opinion, can also be monotonous. So treating myself felt like something I could do to break up the monotony of my days. Instead of attending meetings and planning projects and having daily interactions with colleagues in a work setting, I based my daily stroller walks around an overly expensive cup of tea. Because to me, the cost of that tea was outweighed by the sense of comfort it brought me as a floundering new mom trying to figure out who I was now outside of being a mother. Anyway, I always say I could do a whole series of episodes on identity and how it changes after motherhood. But the fact of the matter is, becoming a mother or parent drastically changes our financial situations, and it means we have to change the way we think about and manage our money. It's not easy, but it's something that we have to do. 
And just like when you first become new parents, nothing can really prepare you for the reality of that change. We can only learn from our experiences, our missteps, and unfortunately, our discomfort, and try to figure out tools to help us do better in the future. But I don't want to just get by financially, living month to month and having somewhat uncomfortable conversations about money with my husband. I told you guys, it's a real trigger for me. I want to learn how to thrive financially and be a mom and parent at the same time. So if you're thinking the same thing, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with money coach Eileen Joy from momswhomoney.com to talk about just that. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Very excited to talk to you. I have a lot of questions, as you know. So let's jump right in, Eileen. Um, I was wondering if you could give the listeners a bit of a synopsis first of who you are and what you do. Sure. I'm Eileen Joy. I am the money coach for moms. And I never in a million years thought I would ever be a money coach ever in my entire life. And it all happened because of my divorce. And during Mm -hmm. my divorce, I ran out of money. And my attorney's office started harassing me for money. And they were um, threatening to stop services and that they would basically seize all my assets and everything to get paid. So it was a very scary time. And they did. I had to sell my house to pay for my divorce. I had to get a new job because just the work environment just became too toxic. And then at the same time, while all this was going on, my son and I got into a really terrible car accident and my car was totaled. We both ended up in the hospital and I'm still dealing with a neck injury. So all this was going on at the tail end of a bankruptcy (laughs) all during my divorce. So at the end of the day, When my divorce was final, I received a check in the mail from my attorney's office with all the money that I had left in the world. It was a check for $347. And that was it. So now I'm a single mom with a five-year-old with 347 whole dollars. Now what do I do? So after I picked myself up off the floor from crying in the fetal position, you know, I got to figure this out. You know, my intention was to never be a money coach. My intention was to save myself and my son you know, and to just pick the pieces up for me. We were basically born into a money story, right? So when we're between Mm. the ages of zero and seven is when we're programmed, right? We're conditioned. We learn everything that we're learning is coming into our subconscious between the ages of zero and seven. And so what happens is in regards to money, you learn about money from your parents and from your environment. Right. So between Mm -hmm. the ages of zero and seven is when everything just starts to get ingrained and just lives in your subconscious. So the money stories that your parents have, they learned about money from their parents. Their parents learned Mm -hmm. about money from their parents and so on and so on and so on. So now all these money stories from all these different generations are fast forwarded into what it is now in your parents. And that's how you learn. Because no one formally sits down mm-hmm. and teaches you about money. We don't learn about money in school. They don't teach it. Not in the way it should be, yeah. No, yeah. no. It's touched upon here and there, but it's not really formally taught. And everyone's confused, which is why everyone's in, to, in debt up to their eyeballs, because no one really knows how to manage their money properly, because no one's ever taught you. So there's so much shame and fear mm-hmm. and anxiety and embarrassment and all these feelings around money, which is really sad because... No one ever taught us. So it's like, why should we be feeling this? We should be feeling more angry that no one's teaching us and not, you know, shameful about it. You know, it's like, (laughs) why, why isn't this being taught? Right. So 
It's now our responsibility to teach our kids. It's our responsibility to save for our future. It's our responsibility to take care of our money now. You know, and money's just a re- another relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you're in a relationship with someone and you're being ignored, you're going to get mad, right? You're going to be like, what the hell did I do? And most people are ignoring their money because no one knows what to do with it. So they just do nothing except spend it. And they're just giving it all away. Mm, that's a good point. Okay. I want to stop you there and ask you because if the mom is listening to this interview or anything like me, then they have likely felt yes totally overwhelmed by money and the talk of money before. And that feeling of overwhelm that they have has probably caused them and me at times to just avoid the subject altogether mm-hmm. or bury our heads in the sand. I mean, I'm 37 years old and I've been thinking for years about how I wish I knew more or knew where to start to get myself into a better financial position now, financial position for my future. And those thoughts have only intensified for me since becoming a mom. And for me as well, since moving back overseas with my family. I'm Canadian, but I live abroad. And the mental hurdles of of living abroad, I think, just add to it even more. Mm -hmm. We're talking new bank accounts and different currencies than we're used to and different languages that we're dealing financially in. And If I'm being completely honest, even when I lived in Canada, even when I lived in my home country with a system and a language that I was familiar with, I still felt overwhelmed about money. And I felt, and I have felt like I, it's just too late to start. Like I'm 37, you know, it's too late to start investing. It's too late to start any number of the things that we're probably going to talk about and cover. And I felt that way 10 years ago. I felt that way five years ago. I feel that way now. So how did you know? After your divorce and uh, having this check, like this is the money to my name that I that I own. How did you know at that point where to start teaching yourself about money? I didn't. I had no freaking clue. I love that. I was just as lost as you're saying you're lost right now. Yeah. I was stuck. I had no flipping clue, you know? So I went to Google University like everyone else mm-hmm. does. You just go to Google and just start asking questions. And you know what? It overwhelmed me even more. It made me even more confused. I was going to say, yeah. And there was too much information. You know, the internet's just, whoa. So I X'd out and I said, I'm just going to pick up a book. Just going to pick up a book. I have now read over 300 books and I've listened to countless podcasts. I've hired people. I've asked a thousand questions and I've gotten myself to a place where it's so easy And it's so funny because the moms that I work with, they're like, every time, like, I can't believe this was ever hard. Mm. And it's only hard, let me do air quotes, hard, because it's mysterious. Right. And because you know nothing about it. And it's just learning something new. That's all it is. And I think that the mind, can I curse on here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The mind fuck about the whole thing is... Thinking about money differently than you've thought about it your entire life. It's really unlearning something that you've been doing forever. And that's the hard part, quote unquote, hard part. And you know what? It's not hard. All you have to do is just learn a few little things and a system, right? So what I did was I created a system and the system works. Personal finance is personal, right? Always remember that. Personal finance is personal. So Everybody around the world has a completely different financial situation, right? You make a different amount than everyone else. You have a different family Mm -hmm. dynamic than everyone else. 
whether mm-hmm. you have a partner or not, like how much is coming in, how much is going out, what your lifestyle is like, where you live, what, what what's the cost of living where you're living. You know, it, there's so many variables, everything. So personal finance is personal. The system works no matter what you make. It doesn't matter. You just plug it in. And what happens is when you think about it, it doesn't matter how much you make because if you're spending it all, you're still at zero, Mm -hmm. right? So what trips people up is the way of thinking about money is that what everybody does, which is wrong, is as soon as you get paid, you pay your bills first. And that's backwards. They always say, pay yourself first. And I never understood how to do that. I always heard about it. I'm like, pay yourself first. Well, how the hell am I going to pay myself first if I have no money? <laughs> you know, mm. I'm always like, I have a great job, but I have no money. There's just never any money. You know, and it's because you're just spending it in the wrong way. You're spending it all wrong. And it's just really realizing and understanding the system of like money comes in, everyone pays their bills, right? And then you have this little bit left over. And you hope that you have enough left for groceries and gas, maybe a fun night out. And then there's more months left at the end of the money, mm-hmm. right? And so then what happens is you use your credit cards to finish out the month. And that's how people are slowly creeping into debt. Because you use a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little, then all of a sudden you're thousands of dollars in debt and you have no idea how you got there or how to get out of it. And you're stuck in this cycle of just paying bills first instead of yourself. So at the end of the month, you don't really have any money left over to pay yourself. So then it's like, well, how the hell am I going to save if I'm paying all these credit card bills and I have all Mm -hmm. these other bills and these responsibilities and I'm a mom and I have all this stuff for my kids and I'm so busy and overwhelmed and, ah, you know, it's just, it feels like a weight on your shoulders that's crushing you. So that's why people just ignore it because they have no idea how to get themselves out of the mess that they're in. Even if it's a tiny mess, you still have no idea how to get out of it and or how to fix it and turn it around. So you just do nothing. Mm-hmm. What are, so your, your business is called Moms Who Money. And you, you have a podcast as well, the Moms Who mm-hmm. Money podcast. What are the biggest struggles that the moms you work with and the moms that you speak with are making financially? and what are the biggest mistakes that they're making financially? There's so many. And they're they're all different too. It's Because like I said before, personal finance is personal. Mm-hmm. But really step number one is ignoring. Mm. That's step number one is ignoring your money. So I challenge you. Here's a challenge for you and all of your listeners, all the mamas out there. This is my challenge. Because this challenge. is the, the <laughs> biggest struggle. The biggest struggle is looking at your money. Sometimes you can feel so much anxiety just looking at it, not even doing anything, right? Just I feel anxiety just it. you saying that. <laughs> right. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because you like you feel your chest get tight, you start sweating, your stomach, you feel like you're gonna throw up, you know, you get all mm-hmm. these feelings. And it's like, and you know why? It's because you're giving your power away to the money. We have given our power away to so many things, right? And we've put money specifically on a pedestal, right? It's up here. It's for someone else, not for me. It's for them, right? Money's for them. And we have just given our power away to it. So when you hear that word budget, what do you feel? It's a trigger, isn't it? Yeah. I could tell by don't the look take, on your Don't face. take it away from me. Yeah. Yeah. You feel deprived, deprivation. Yeah. It's the same thing as diet, right? Mm, when you want to yeah. go on a diet, 
you're like, oh man, I got to eat salads and rice cakes and you know whatever to deprive myself. I was a very overweight child and an overweight adult. And it was because my mom always had me on a diet mm. and I always felt deprived. So I would yo-yo, you know, you'd be restricted and then you'd binge, restricted and binge. And people do the same thing with money. That's a good point. Yeah. Like you'll restrict for something, right? You want to save for maybe a vacation or whatever. And then as soon as you, then, then you just splurge and then you can't stop. And then you're like, oh, I got to get, you know, reel, reel it back in. You know, like yeah, people yeah. yo-yo money all the time. And it's because you don't really have a way that just works. So the system that I came up with, you work on the four buckets. Give me the buckets. Okay. <laughs> so there's four buckets, saving, investing, giving and spending. So once you learn how to use these four buckets, the rest just works. And it's, and I help, and I show you how to just automate everything. So it becomes like almost completely hands off. So the, the greatest part about it is that we're moms. We're busy people. Mm -hmm. We're expected to do everything, right? You know, and especially I'm single, I'm a single mom. So single moms out there really have to do every, every, everything. And Thinking about money, right, and learning something new. Yeah, you got to put a little time into it. But once you really get it, it's automatic. Like I've taught my son how to do it. Like if a 10-year-old can do it, why can't an adult? You know, and what you said before, you were afraid of, be of being too late. It's too late when you're dead. Mm -hmm. That's when it's too late. I got divorced in my 40s and I've already turned everything around. You're younger than I was when I got divorced. So you can easily easily get to where I am now. So you said that when you first had that check, like I said, going back to that check, that $347, mm -hmm. when you first had that and you decided that you were going to learn everything you could about money and turn that around, you mentioned that you were able to turn it around quite quickly. How did you take not a lot in the beginning and work with these buckets, as you say, to, to get to a point where quite quickly you were in a completely different situation? It was over time. It wasn't just like, boom, I had it. You know, it was a lot of trial and error and figuring things out. And it wasn't just like, I read a book and it was told me the answer. You know, it was a lot of great books that I read, a lot of terrible books that I read. <laughs> and it wasn't just about, I didn't read just about money. I read about so many different things, but it was the money mindset is just the different way of thinking about money, which is huge. Because if you're constantly feeling anxiety with your money, you're not going to do anything mm. with it. You're still going to ignore it because that's what you've been doing for years, right? You just, you, you want to fix it, but you're so afraid that you stay away from it. It was like, I think it was when I was teaching my son. So amazing how you can teach your own kids and how you can learn with your kids, right? So you're teaching the buckets. So when I give him his allowance, it's automatically allocated into the buckets. So we have savings goals for him. So he's got um, thousands of dollars saved in cash and investments in his buckets. And so he's saving for a car, he's saving for Legos, he has his investments going that he's going to use later on in life. And then he's also already saving for his retirement. <laughs> you wow. know, it's like he's already got it going on. You know, because it's our responsibility to save for our own retirement. They don't teach you that. And then all of a sudden you think it's too late, which if you wait too long, it can, you, you might have to work for, you know, a lot longer than you thought you would yeah. have to if you're not paying attention, you know? And so it's really starting of like, I like to reverse engineer everything. 
So we kind of start with our last day on earth first. You know, it's like, so how much money are we going to need in our retirement? Even that word retirement sometimes is triggering for people. So it's like when you choose to stop working for Mm -hmm. money, that's really what retirement is. When you choose to stop working for money or stop working your job, your J-O-B, right? That keeps you just over broke, right? So you stop working your job or you want to just shift into something else that, you know, maybe part-time or whatever, or it's essentially when you stop working for money, how much do you need to live? And that's what trips people up because no one really understands how to figure that out. And so that's like your end game, right? You need to know that amount so you can create the plan now to save for that. And then you'll know when you hit your number that it's okay to quit your job. So how do you figure that out? How do you find out that number? It all starts with figuring out how much it costs to be you Hmm. because no one knows, right? You're just spending money. You have no idea. Like you don't pay attention. So we figure out how much does it cost to be you without using your credit cards? How much, right? What does it cost to live your lifestyle? Because if you want to live the same lifestyle today in your retirement, how much money Mm -hmm. is that? Right. And then how much is it going to be for inflation at that time as well? You know, so it's like you, that's step number one is really figuring out how much is the cost to be you and what kind of lifestyle do you want in your retirement? So how do you sit down with your clients and work through that? Like from day one, you know, you meet with them, you talk on your website about how you promise no shame, Mm -hmm. no guilt, no embarrassment. And these are inevitable feelings that women are coming to you with because I've done this, you know, I've kind of done this process with my husband, who's a very money minded and numbers minded minded person. And he's, he's very same thing. He's very black and white, like logical about it. Like we just have to figure this out. We have mm-hmm. to, we have to look at, we have to go to sort of to the beginning and, and start and figure out how much you're spending and how much you need. So how do you help women figure that out? Kind of that first step, like, okay, this is how much it costs to be you, as you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, first we go through the money story. Okay. We figure out what kind of like, what's your money behaviors? Because that's part of it too. And mm-hmm. then we go through, like we figure out, well, you know, what are you spending money on? It, you know, we just look at it. We look at the numbers together. Yeah. You know, and we work together on Zoom and we share screens. Like we really okay. look at the numbers. It's not just like, well, I think it's this. You know, we look at the actual numbers and we figure it out. Because mm-hmm. like I said before, personal finance is personal. So we have to look at your numbers because everyone's numbers are different. I think that must be really helpful too for some people who mm-hmm. could literally be looking at their own bank account, their own screen, their own mm-hmm. ins and outs and not seeing the story. But you coming in as as a coach to help them through this, mm-hmm. looking at the same page that, that I'm looking at or that your client is looking at and pointing out things that people are maybe um, not, not seeing, seeing or, mm-hmm. or, or skipping over in their brain. Yes. So that must be really helpful for women. Yeah, because most people don't know what to look at. Yeah. You know, you just kind of look and you scan and you're like, okay, yeah, there it is. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's usually the point where people need to ask for help. Yeah. Okay. The next step mm-hmm. is asking for help. Or you can read the same 300 books that I read and take all that time, figure it out. The four buckets. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, you, you, you have this system that you've created and is it like percentage based or how do you break it down? It's so interesting because when you go on Google and you search budget, they're all percentages. But like I said, personal finance is personal. So those okay. percentages are average, whatever. You know, they, they, they're meaningless for you. 
It really depends how much you're bringing in. What are your expenses? Because that's important. That's its own percentage in itself, right? And then what are your goals? You know, it, it's all according to you and your specific personal plan. Everyone's percentages are different. There is no cookie cutter way to do it. The fundamentals are all the same. The, the base is the same, but the actual numbers are different. Different for everybody. Yeah. So essentially what I teach you, first we do money story, right? And we figure out your money mindset, all that stuff. Like, how do you feel about money and how do you approach it and how are we going to change it? Because my uh-huh. goal is to help you figure out your current money story and how to rewrite it and then how to help your kids. Teach your kids, empower your kids with a financial education so that their relationship with money is healthy and they have no issues mm-hmm. with money because they know how to do it. It's like, you know, when you grow up with something and you just know how to do it, it's like, whatever. Yeah. And that's how they'll feel about money. So then I want to help people stop these generational patterns, mm-hmm. set people up for success and stop living in fear and scarcity and lack and live with abundance and happiness and people thriving. Like that's what money is for. It's supposed to provide safety and security for you and also fun. Mm-hmm. It should be fun. You should be able to have fun instead of feeling scared about it. Mm, I love that. That's that's uh, such a good way of thinking about it. What's important to you? What do you value? What do you want out of life? Right? We figure out all of that stuff because that's the most important thing because being intentional about what you're spending your money yeah. on, you know, and be like, this is the thing I really want, you know, or I want to save for this specific vacation or I want to go away with my family or I want to go away by my freaking self. This is what all moms should get for Christmas. I believe that's what all moms need for Christmas. Yeah. yeah so we do what's important to you mm. and then that budget, right? But instead of using the word budget, I do it in a way more empowering way of taking your power back is you get to tell your money what to do. That's budgeting. That's all budgeting is, is you telling your money what to do. Mm. So first you need to know what's coming in, what's going out, right? Then what's important to you, because that's what you're going to spend your money on, spending and saving, investing all the things, right? What's important to you? Mm-hmm. And then you tell your money what to do to make that happen. Yeah. So um, kind of a personal question from me is, do you have any advice for women who struggle mm-hmm. with being uh, the primary caregiver or a stay-at-home parent and have given up their financial independence and become dependent on someone else. For example, myself, I went from when I became a mom, I went from a career with benefits and a salary and relative financial security to being a stay at home mom. And in my personal case, unemployed in a new country with no sort of prospect on the horizon of getting into my profession. So looking at at different options. But I know when you have kids, you, your money become, you know, you spend your money on your kids and you need to buy them things and you want to buy them things and whatnot. But, but this whole struggle for me or a struggle for me as a mom in particular of being that stay at home mom and, and not having that salary and that career and come, you know, money coming in every two weeks or every four weeks. What advice do you have for women who are struggling with that? And do you work with a lot of clients in that position? It's really a mind shift of, well, I had my own money and now I have to ask for money. And it's kind of like, it's a disempowering Mm -hmm. feeling when before you had your own thing, 
you had your career, you had your own paycheck, you had your own money. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, you know, daddy, can I have money? It's like how it feels, right? (laughs) With couples, there's two different ways to think about it. If you're single or if you're married or dating. So if you're married, it all starts with communication, everything. And that's generally something that people avoid. And it's interesting too, because with the money stories, what will happen is you have your money story. He's got his. When you start talking about it, they collide and you have very different views on money and you never really talk about that because mm-hmm. you never thought about it before, you know? And what I tell people now, cause I do work with some women that are not married yet. They're like in their twenties and whatever. I'm constantly saying, if you're dating someone, you have to talk about money. Like you can't ignore it. You need to talk mm-hmm. about it. Like you need to start opening the lines of communication with your spouse and say, look, this is how I feel. And I need you to understand this is how I feel. And we need to work through this together because you're supposed to be partners, you know, but one thing that no one really talks about is money. Mm-hmm. And what, what you'll notice is that when people, what I've noticed is that the couples that I work with, they either have been avoiding it for so long that when they do start talking about it, they fight because their money stories are colliding or they continue to avoid because it feels so awkward and weird and uncomfortable because money is Mm. one of those taboo subjects, you know, like sex and religion and politics and all these things that people just don't talk about, especially money and sex. Those are the ones that most people don't talk about. And then when you do, it's like, you have to whisper because it's not polite, you know, (laughs) but like, Money and sex are two of the most amazing (laughs) subjects that should be spoken about. And they're just so private. So it's really communication, you know, because you're feeling this way and your your husband probably doesn't really completely understand how you're feeling. Well, we talk a lot about money, actually. Good. (laughs) Good. We do. But I know that that is a, um, but that doesn't make it easy. That doesn't, and that doesn't solve problems or, or rewrite my my money story as you say but we do talk a lot about it and i know that that is like probably leaps and bounds a- ahead of many other couples or yeah. mothers listening yeah but communication is step one there like really just talking about it as much as you can do the uncomfortable until it becomes comfortable and then figure out what you want your career to look like and then also when you talk about your money like for your budget And for when you're telling your money what to do, you have to have how much money you get. Like, just because you're not working for money, like, you still have a really, really demanding job. You know, being a mom Mm -hmm. is not easy. And it is very demanding. It's a 24-7 thing. You never get a day off. And you need to be compensated in some way for that. So there needs to be a line item in your budget for your compensation for being a mom and for the money that you get to spend without guilt, without guilt, without guilt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it it needs to be guilt-free fun that you get to spend Mm, on whatever you want, whether it be groceries, if you want to spend it on that, or if you want to go get a massage, you know, or go take a yoga class or whatever, you know, you need your own money just because you're not bringing it in anymore right now. doesn't mean that you can't have your own money. You know, so there, there's a lot of couples that only one spouse works and the spouse that's not working always feels some kind of anxiety about taking money because they feel that they didn't 
work for it. And then if you're single and you're in this situation like I am, you're responsible for everything, everything. Mm -hmm. So you still need a line item for fun. (laughs) You know, you have like in my budget, I have three lines of three different guilt-free fun spending lines. What are your categories? Well, one's just fun and it's just miscellaneous, whatever. If something comes up, if I just need like something to wear or if I want to like, you know, like different things. Sometimes like I love the spa. I am a spa junkie. So most of that goes to the spa (laughs) for massages and facials and stuff like that. Um, I have another one for like going out with friends, you know? So if I want to go out, the money's there and I don't have to worry about, oh no, do I have to charge it? It's just there, you know? And it's like, it's personal Mm -hmm. for you in your life. Like, what do you like you could just have guilt-free spending as a line. It doesn't need, you can use it for whatever you want. Right. Yeah. And before I go on to my last question, as I said, like my husband and I speak often about money and we have had uncomfortable discussions since becoming parents about exactly what you were just saying about, listen, I went from having something to yeah. having X, you know, to not bringing an income. And that is part of my role as being the the caregiver for our child and not not having a job at the moment. And, and we were able to talk through that to come to a, a sort of mutual understanding of how I feel and what I need. And basically, like, I'll use air quotes here, too, but I'm getting an allowance, you know, like, uh, or compensation. I yes. think that's a better way, as you said, compensation for for what I am doing and and for what I am not able to be doing, which is working a, you know, office mm-hmm. job or whatever, going out, earning a paycheck, I, Eileen, I want to give the listeners something tangible to take away. Do you have top tips or must-do actions for a mom listening who wants to start taking manageable and incremental steps towards a healthier financial future? Okay. You can't do anything until you're completely aware of your situation. So you don't have to do anything except one thing. Go look at your money. And I'll give you specific steps to do. First thing is just look at your bank account. What's coming in? What's going out? What are you spending your money on? Where is it going? Do you have more months left at the end of the money? Or are you good? Like, do you have money left at the end of the month? You know, is this money that you can use for saving for fun things? You know, also credit cards. Most people get the bill. They look at how much the bill is. They look at the minimum and they say, hmm, how much can I pay this month? You know, instead of paying the bill in full every month, like you're supposed to, because when you're using your credit cards, it's a loan. It's not your money, right? A lot of people say, well, I've got this much left on my card. You know, it's not your money. It's a loan and you're paying it back with an incredibly high interest rate, right? Most people that I work with, when I first get them in my hands, that's the first thing. I, what interest rates are you paying on your credit cards? No one knows. Go look. It tells right. you on the app. It tells you on the statement. It tells you everywhere, but you don't look at it. So go look at your credit card. Look at the whole statement, line by line by line. How much do you owe? How much interest are you paying? And then if you want to take it a step further, you can look at this. This is interesting because when I first started paying attention to this was eye opening for me. 
I had found so many mistakes on my uh, credit card bills. And just one in particular, I had, when I first moved into this house after my divorce, I had gotten a TV service. And I didn't know because I wasn't paying attention, but they opened two accounts for me under my name and they were charging me double every single month. Oh, wow. And I had no idea because I never looked at it. And these are things that you will find, right? So just start yeah. looking. And also right now, cyber crimes are running rampant, especially around this time of year. And if you're not paying attention, you'd be like, oh, why is my bill so yeah. high this month? Whatever. Because you don't pay attention. So become aware, just go look, just start there, start there and then ask for help. That's such a good point. Yeah. And, you know, we hear these terms, emergency fund, everyone should have an emergency fund or investing. You should invest your money. What do you tell the mm -hmm. beginner investor mother who comes to you? How much money should we start off with for, with an emergency fund? And, and how much money should we start off with for investing? And what type of investment should a beginner be be looking at. Okay. So let's break it down. <laughs> so emergency fund, it depends where you are. How much money do you have now? It, do you have savings or not? It's amazing how many women that come to me do not even have a savings account open at all. They've got nothing. So what I generally start people off with is what I call a crisis fund. Because what happens is, for example, all of a sudden you have a car emergency. You take it to the mechanic and it's going to cost like four or $500, but you don't have that. So you put it on the card. Then you're like, shit, now I got to pay this and I have the interest. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, you can't pay it off. So we have what's called a crisis fund for something like this is a quick emergency. So our crisis fund is a thousand dollars. So we quickly save a thousand dollars in a savings account. Okay. Thousand right? dollars cash. Always have a thousand dollars. If you have to use it for whatever reason, immediately pay yourself back a thousand dollar crisis fund. And then we work on the emergency right. fund. If you're single, your emergency fund needs to be larger than if you're not. And if you only have one income, same thing, right? If you have one income in the house, you, you, your emergency fund will take on the single rule. So they say three to six months, but I think it should be more than that because of inflation and all the uncertainty going on with people losing their jobs like crazy. Okay. And your emergency fund really is only something in case you lose your job. That's really all it's for because how I teach you how to save money is we prepare, we save money for other types of emergencies because we go through your life. So your emergency funds really just needs to be expenses, three to six months of expenses. So that's why you need to know how much does it cost to be you? What are your expenses? It's not how much you bring in every month. It's what are your expenses? Because if you lose mm -hmm. your job or your husband loses his job and all of a sudden you guys have no income, right? You need to have this money set aside for your expenses. And generally when you lose your job, you kind of go bare bones, right? You don't go out. You, you kind of wait until you can get a job, you know, get your job mm -hmm. and whatever and get things going again. And you just use the bare bones. What are my expenses, Right. Just so you can get by for a few months until you get a, get back on your feet and get the job, right? So if you're single, I would say have more, maybe six to eight right. months. And then for some people, maybe even 12 months. It just depends how old you are too, you know, like what kind of situation that you're in and what type of industry you're looking, you know, it's like everyone's right. different, you know? So that's what they, uh, they always say like the average, you know, but it's like, mm -hmm. it's really personal finance is personal, right? So it's like whatever your situation is, 
that's what we would figure out what you need specifically. But the crisis fund, a thousand dollars start there. And then investing, that's a whole other thing. Okay. <laughs> and it also depends what country you're in and where you are in the world. And there's different, like, because if you, you're in, you were from Canada, but now you're in Germany, right? And I'm in the USA. And there's different stocks from different countries. Like, so for you, yeah. like US stocks would be considered international. And so it's just all these different ways of setting yourself up where you're located. But with investing, I spend a lot of time on that with my moms and I really set them up and I help them set up their kids and the kids need to be set up today, like immediately get them started right, right now. Okay. Like if you're pregnant right now, set up an account for your child. Like that's when they yeah. need to start. Um, you know, yeah. Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett, his grandparents set up an investment account for him the day he was born. Yeah. And they just kept feeding it and feeding it and feeding it. Then when he started working, he started feeding it and feeding it. And he was like a multimillionaire when he was 65. But when he turned 65 was when he became a billionaire overnight because of the time he spent in the market. So the longer you can be in the market, the better. So just mm -hmm. start now, just get in. And it really just depends upon where you're located in the world as to what you're actually going to be investing in. And how old you are and what type of account to get. Well, there's a lot of variables to it. Okay. Do you have any recommendations for any listeners of like books that have been really helpful for you or podcasts that have been really helpful for you um, in terms of learning and starting out? Mm -hmm. um, two of my favorite books. They're very, they're very, very good. Uh, one is called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. And the other one is called The Millionaire Next Door. And these two books really helped shape the way I think about money. Because when you're learning about money from a current mindset, as opposed to how you're supposed to think about money, you learn two very different ways. So getting your mind straight about the psychology of money and why it messes you up <laughs> is so helpful to really help you want to know more mm -hmm. and to become more comfortable with it. Yeah. So I would start with those two. Okay. Do you have any resources that you would direct someone listening to this podcast to go to your website, sort of where, where somebody should start and actually where they can find you online and where, where they can start? Okay. So the easiest way to find me is through my website, which is momswhomoney.com. And you can get to everything from my website, all my socials, my podcast, you can book an appointment. Everything is there on my website. I, I do everything through my podcast. Like I do very short episodes for busy moms and I teach, teach, teach quick, quick, quick. And I make it just easy and quick. And then when we work together one-on-one, -on -one, we just talk about stuff. We share screens. We do stuff. I give you a few things to do in between our times together and that's it. Okay. The last question, Eileen, I have for you is what advice do you have for moms during this holiday season? How can we all get through financially unscathed? Well, you have to plan for it. So this year you can start to plan for next year because, mm -hmm. you know, now it's kind of done though. Right. And so what I've been telling people is really, if you have not planned for it, then make a list of who you're buying for and stick to the list. See how much cash you actually have that you can use to buy gifts. Yeah. You don't have to go crazy. This holiday season gets me so mad because... It makes people feel obligated to buy gifts for everyone. If you don't have the money, don't buy something. Just don't. 
you don't have to give gifts. Um, even with your own family, you can choose depending upon your situation with your family. You can say, Hey, let's just give each other one thing. Right. Let's have a budget. Let's not spend more than this amount. You know, things like that. So many people go broke over this holiday season. And then come January, you have the holiday hangover and then your credit cards are maxed out. You can't go out. You're, you're struggling to pay these bills and then your mental health goes down, you know, and it's like this whole cycle that happens every single year. So if you plan for it all year long, because I show you how to do that, we plan for everything in your life. That's why personal finance is personal, right? We figure out your life, what you need to plan for, and we plan for it. So there's never any issues. Mm -hmm. So start thinking about that now. Look at how much you've spent this year on gifts. Divide that by 12 and save that for next year. Every month, put away that amount. And if you realized you spent way too much money, then take the amount and say, well, this is how much I really want to spend. Uh, that's that's great advice, though, to start planning already for yes. next year, because as you said, we're already into the holiday season. And then for this holiday season, just do what you can to stick to a list and not feel like you need to be extravagant. Say no. Say no to a lot of things. If you're invited to a party you really don't want to go to and you're obligated to bring gifts, say no. Okay. That's that's good advice. I really, I like that. Yeah. Well, Eileen, as we talked about before sitting down to have this conversation, there was so many different topics to cover and so many things I feel like we could go deeper into, but we will have to save that, I guess, for another episode. But I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today. I know that I will go back and re-listen and take some notes and re-evaluate where I'm at currently and think about what I want for next year and what I want for the future. And I appreciate your time. So thank you very much. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me on today. Before wrapping up, I want to share some of the contributions for this episode from the Raise Your Hand Motherhood community. I asked anyone who felt comfortable contributing to tell me what their biggest financial struggles of motherhood have been. The first mama who shared talked about the difficulties in asking for help as a mom and how it's even harder when there's a financial cost required. So for things like babysitters, house cleaners, etc. And then there's additional guilt when asking for some quote unquote me time, especially when there's a cost there, like having a hotel night away or getting a massage. Another mom shared about the difficulties during this holiday season when only one partner is involved in the planning, the organizing, the buying, and the general magic making of it all. The financial pressure and just the stress to do it all can be very daunting. A common theme that came up from a few stay-at-home moms with no income was the challenge of having to cut back and be a bit bare bones during this financial season of their lives. One mother shared that she's trying to embrace simplicity and reject anything that culture or society tells her she needs as a woman. So for example, getting her hair done or her nails done, and that she's trying to love herself exactly as she is, although she admits it's not easy and it's a constant work in progress. I hear you, mama. And finally, one expat mama sent in this voice clip about navigating maternity leave in the States. I am an expat from Canada, currently living in the U.S. As I'm sure you're aware, maternity leave in the U.S. is very limited. Most mothers receive 12 weeks of leave from their job, and depending on the employer, that leave may be fully paid, fully unpaid, or partially paid through a combination of short-term disability insurance and accrued vacation or sick time. I am very lucky in that my employer allows for a one-year maternity leave. This is very rare. 
However, only nine of those weeks were partially paid for me and I had to use my vacation and short-term disability insurance for that. The remaining 10 months of my leave are unpaid, meaning I'm not receiving income from my employer or the government. Thankfully, my husband's income allows for us to utilize the 10 unpaid months of my leave and I get to stay home with my son. Although I'm extremely grateful to be in the situation, given the state of maternity leave here, it is also hard not to be jealous of the partially paid leaves that many of my Canadian friends and family get to have. During my unpaid leave, my family is in a more budget-conscious season of life, which presents some challenges and some feelings of guilt. However, I am not sure if it's due to motherhood or being budget-driven, but life definitely has a slower pace these days. And the positives are that we spend more quality time as a family, cooking, hiking, and enjoying the simpler things in life. Thanks again for your contributions this week, mamas. I love including your thoughts and your stories in every episode. If you've been listening for a while now and enjoy this segment as well, I'd love to hear from you. You can connect with me on Instagram at the Raise Your Hand Motherhood Pod or join the Raise Your Hand Motherhood Community Facebook group and contribute your thoughts and comments on motherhood as often as you'd like. I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, mamas, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Eileen for taking the time to talk with us about such an important topic. You can find Eileen's business online at www.momswhomoney.com. And if you want to hear more about money, mindset, and motherhood, you can also check out her podcast, Moms Who Money. Speaking of podcasts, if you're enjoying this one, please take a minute to rate and review it wherever you're listening today. I can't wait to hang out again soon. Until next time, mamas. Hey, Mama, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Raise Your Hand Motherhood podcast. I made it for you, so I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so we can hang out together again soon.